and Jamie and Marlon Brando used to also. So we used to have sort of a teasing contest as to which one of those boys would be a better rumba dancer. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Daisy Rosario, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. Hello, Daisy. Hey, Rachel. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. I mean, I'm, I'm always glad you're here. I do want to say that. But I'm especially glad that you're here for today's episode. Before we start, though, I have to ask, did you spend like a lot of time online this weekend? No wrong answers. I just I need to know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I really tried to not, like not too much at all. I I logged on about twice a day just to see if there were any big updates on Twitter's sprint into chaos. Mm, Yeah. Boy, is it a sprint. It's a sprint. (laughs) Just headlong into chaos. Yep. Speaking of, we will be explaining that chaos with a tech reporter at some point, but that episode has been temporarily delayed. So again, if y'all have any questions about like, the FTC or consent decrees or whatever, send them our way. But (laughs) in the meantime, Daisy, I want to show you a video that I happened to see on Twitter this weekend that just broke up whatever the fuck else was happening that I I can't (laughs) get into. (laughs) Okay, okay. So this was posted to Twitter with the caption, Louisiana white people different, LMAO, by at Tusca Marie. It is a TikTok from the TikTok account at Cooking with Cajun. And just, I need you to see this. Cook today. Fried pork chops. <laughs> oh, let's come over here and see oh, what we oh, got. Oh, what is this Ooh. setup? How about some mustard greens? This food looks amazing. We got mustard greens with a little onion. Gonna grind that liquid out of there. Louisiana food. Ugh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. It makes me want to go down to New Orleans right now. What's happening in this video is a man with one of the most impressive beards I've ever seen in my entire life. Truly. Is in what looks to be a shed, but is clearly not a shed where you're storing tools. It is sh- it is a shed purely set up for the act of cooking, which is yes. what he is doing. He is throwing down. He put his foot in it. There is cornbread. There's mustard greens. There's fried pork chops. Cast iron as far as the eye can see. Truly, that man does not have a single stainless steel implement in front of him. <laughs> and so this video goes viral on Twitter with people being like, God. Damn, that looks good. Yeah, they're not wrong. (laughs) And because I am, as some might say, deeply nosy. What? Who said that? Who said that? Who who could have said that? Who would have said that? That's crazy. I don't don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But so I decided to check out the Twitter replies and the quote tweets. And one quote tweet on this video caught my attention. Comes from at 313DZ who wrote, fucking invited to the cookout. We're going to have to let Buddy host it, which, (laughs) yeah, was hilarious. Yeah. But did make me think of another tweet that I saw this weekend that didn't bring me half as much joy. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So this one's from at Reese the One and was was Twittered, toting around, you know, midterm (laughs) election day. And it reads, white voters under 30? Dot, dot, dot. Invited to the cookout. Uh, Why 
are white voters under 30 invited to the cookout? Because, as Reese the One points out, they all mostly went for the Democratic Party. And attached to this tweet is a chart of how, like, all the different demographics voted, broken down by age and race. Because, you know, they voted for the Democratic Party as a monolith. They're all invited to the cookout. Yep, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, I mean, it is a tweet. It is a tweet. And the kind of, "Mm, okay, I guess, reaction we had is um, (laughs) a reaction a lot of people had. Because once again, I must say, I checked the quote tweets, which are this kind of Greek chorus of Black people saying, here y'all go with this imaginary cookout to invite white people to, or that's all it takes Or just a simple, in all caps, STOP TALKING ABOUT THE COOKOUT! (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I definitely understand that reaction and will admit that it is often also my reaction. Honestly, same. Because at this point, I think I see the phrase invited to the cookout on average once or twice a week, usually in reference to some non-Black person, usually a white person, who... I would say generally seems with it. Yeah. yeah. How is this with itness measured? Who knows? But usually it's determined by, you know, their ability to catch a beat. Or right. <laughs> in the case of our Louisiana friends seizing their food. Or in the case of the broad swath of white voters under 30, their political opinions. And in the case of others, by their, like, admiration, but not appropriation of Black culture. But I gotta say, I'm at the point where I'm kind of just, like, what is the cookout? Where, (laughs) Where is this taking place? Do I need to bring something? And always bring something. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just bring an ice. It's true, <laughs> always got to bring that's something. Still bringing something. Yes, it is. It is. But I think the most important question is: What exactly are the requirements to getting invited to the cookout? And maybe even more importantly, what should the requirements be? Oh, okay. I see where you're going. I see where you're going now. So after a short break, we're going to answer those questions. We're going to do a lexiconical deep dive into the etymology of the phrase invited to the cookout. We will tell you where it came from, how it spread across the internet, and what exactly it has to do with one Christopher Jamal Evans. (laughs) Oh, my favorite version. And we're back. Daisy, I'm going to ask you two questions, one that I can't answer and one that okay. I could, but I think that you'll do more eloquently. So oh. first, okay. when do you recall first hearing or reading the phrase invited to the cookout? And second, what exactly does it mean? Okay. I mean, oh God, that's like asking me when I first ate rice. Like that <laughs> shit happened as soon as I had teeth. I don't know. Like, <laughs> but I do know it was long before I saw it be a thing online. So there's that. Mm-hmm. The way I especially understood it growing up, I mean, it was like, it was saying somebody was good people, mm-hmm. like saying they're okay, they're trustworthy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like you can invite them into your space, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the phrase comes from AVE or African American Vernacular English. And like a lot of AVE, 
it has been made available to a wider audience by the internet. Huzzah! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) We'll get into what that means later. But for right now, what's important to know is that anyone claiming to know exactly when invited to the cookout was invented is either a genius or a liar. Right. (laughs) But... As Daisy said, it existed in function, if not the exact same form, far before the internet existed. When I think of someone famous who would have been invited to the cookout before the advent of, like, dial-up internet, I think of someone like Marlon Brando or, like, Paul Newman. Oh, okay. Say more. Say more. So, preface the first part by saying it's not necessarily important for cookout invite reasons, but I feel I must say that both of them were very hot in their prime. That's that's <laughs> they it. were. I mean, I just I feel like you just have to acknowledge I, that. I just I feel like we have to. They really were. It's they really it, were. We, they just oh god. They just don't make them like that anymore. No, they don't. They don't. They don't <laughs> for a lot of reasons, including that they were both very down for the cause, both politically mm. and interpersonally. Brando specifically was, like, super involved in civil rights work, especially after Dr. King was assassinated. He was also, like, a really vocal critic of apartheid. Both yeah. Brando and Newman were at civil rights protests in Alabama, and they were at the 1963 March on Washington, which is all, like, very well and good. I don't want to diminish any of that work. Obviously, I think it's important. But right. ultimately, the most important thing Paul Newman ever did for... Black freedom okay. was have a threesome with Eartha Kitt and James <laughs> Dean. <laughs> I thought there was going to be like a Newman's own thing or something. No, but I didn't like, was there a product? <laughs> no, no. The most important thing a white man can do is make a black woman's dreams come true. No. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a very, very sexy threesome. I don't know how else to describe that group. But yes, if you did not know that that was a thing, congratulations. Now you know that that was a thing and that you should go look it up because Rachel is not just making it up. I am not. <laughs> honestly, of the three of them, Eartha Kid is clearly the supreme. Like, it's just, oh, God. Anyway, She's incredible. You, you just don't find allies like that anymore, you know? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> now that I revealed who I would have probably invited right. to a cookout pre-internet and who probably was invited to a cookout pre-internet. Yeah. Yeah. Who, Good point. who do you think was was in this metaphorical cookout or perhaps a literal one? Yeah. I mean, there's some that I just remember from my childhood existing in the pre-internet times. But I mean, I guess... You know, in general, I often heard it in regards to like music or the arts. I mean, even mm-hmm. your your examples are people that are, you know, in the arts, like because that was where you had a lot of crossover that yeah. would happen. This is where like the speed at which things have changed get interesting because like, yeah, like even music was so, so, so like divided. Mm-hmm. And so for my generation, you might have somebody like George Michael, mm-hmm. who is like a big one. Yeah. Right? Like for my dad's generation, you probably have like Bobby Caldwell or someone oh, like that. My God, like, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think even before this became a larger social conversation, especially at the scale that it's been able to get to with the internet, you'd often hear it with these creative types. I mean, no group is a monolith, but Black Americans, by and large, have always been able to discern between when, like, a musician or an artist was more appreciative than extractive, Mm -hmm. right? And have tended to respond to that accordingly. So, like, Dolly Parton, always invited. Like, even before the internet, Elvis Presley, no, not so much, right? So... (laughs) Now, the appreciative versus extractive bit is so important to understand kind of the underlying animus of this sentiment. 
So to kind of consolidate it, what it takes to get invited to a metaphorical cookout, broadly speaking, is something above and beyond, like the bare minimum, right? Like, Brando and Newman were risking their careers, if not at some point their lives, to express solidarity with Black people. Right. Which only makes the current iteration of the phrase even more interesting, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, when would you say that the this iteration started to iterate? <laughs> so I would place it somewhere around 2016, which was a bad year in general. <laughs> but it was also yeah. when we start seeing another word with long pre-internet roots come into widespread use, that word, of course, being woke. And I don't know about you, right. but I kind of see these two words or phrases as kind of getting at the same dynamic, at least when applied to non-white people. Like, when used within the community, they're, they're separate. But the way that they're used broadly mainstream, I would say they kind of are getting at the same thing. Yeah, I think in terms of how they've been used or overused mm -hmm. and kind of warped by that usage, like, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. So, the timeline. My most important piece of evidence for why I believe the phrase wasn't in, like, super wide use... And by super wide use, I mean use outside Black communities before right. 2016 is that writer Michael Harriet wrote the iconic The Caucasian's Guide to Black Barbecues for Deadspin in September 2015. As we said before, the idea of white people being invited <laughs> to like Black barbecues or cookouts existed before the phrase invite us to the cookout became like as normalized as it is now. Yeah. But yeah. I just have this sneaking suspicion that had that phrase been as well used as it is now, I feel like Michael, who is extremely online, would have used it Very at online. some point yeah. in his piece. Right. <laughs> it's true. I mean, that's very compelling evidence. So my next data point in the in the timeline, the most important timeline that's ever exists, comes from... right. <laughs> Twitter, as we can guess. In February 2016, user underscore Bushido B underscore sends out a tweet and maybe potentially changes the world with it. Up to y'all to decide. But the tweet reads, okay. hashtag white people invite us to the cookout and then goes on to list Leonardo DiCaprio, Betty White, Justin Timberlake, Paul what? Wall, Steve Nash, Feel free to add to the list. And <laughs> I remember this. God yeah. damn, did that list get added to? <laughs> it really did, yeah. Like mm -hmm. some of the people included were Adele, Channing Tatum, and his wife. Now ex wife. I forgot about that. Ugh. Mm -hmm. Love is dead. Yeah. Allison Stoner, who some might know as the girl who danced Missy Elliott. Rick Grimes yeah. from The Walking Dead, which is somehow still going. My mom is so excited. <laughs> Bill Nye, the science guy. Yeah. All yeah. of these white people getting fixed to play at the imaginary cookout in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Importantly, this is all a joke. Like, right. this is abundantly and obviously a joke. The hashtag is a joke. We are making some yes. jokes. Mm -hmm. Just... It's tough out there right now. Let's be clear. Yes, exactly. 
But like a lot of joke hashtags created by Black Twitter, it gets picked up by websites like The Daily Dot and Bossip with headlines like the 19 best hashtag white people invited to the cookout tweets to remind us of who's down with the cause. And Black Twitter lists the woke white people invited to their cookout. I mean, yeah, yeah. When, when Elon kills Twitter, the most important loss will be Black Twitter in general. <laughs> like... So this hashtag, proving the power of Black Twitter once again, right, happened in 2016. The next year, in 2017, the phrase the cookout is added to Urban Dictionary, which is, of course, <laughs> the arbiter of right. all digital language. So Merriam-Webster says, and by Merriam-Webster, I mean Urban Dictionary says, the cookout is <laughs> <clears throat> a metaphorical gathering of the Black community, usually exclusive only to Blacks, a non-Black can receive an invite by, one, being invited by another African-American after proving some sort of an interest, love, and concern for the Black community. Two, being Bernie Sanders. (laughs) Three, being married to a fellow Black. Must bring marriage papers for proof. Four, containing at least 50% of African-American blood. Any less will require legal documentation before interest of the metaphorical motherfucking cookout. Oh, Urban Dictionary. (laughs) Oh, Urban Dictionary. (laughs) So this phrase keeps trucking along, gaining more and more popularity. And in 2019, it goes even further mainstream when Know Your Meme adds a page dedicated to the phrase invited to the cookout. And now... In the year of our Lord and Savior, 2022, if you search the phrase, invite us to the cookout on Twitter, you'll find tweets like the one I mentioned at the top of the show saying white people under the age of 30 as a monolith are all invited to the cookout. Or you'll also see tweets from black people tired of seeing white people (laughs) invited to the cookout for not voting for a death cult. (laughs) Right. I mean... (laughs) It's a tough reality. It re- it's so tough. And at this point, I'm starting to feel like maybe the cookout should either be gatekept or abolished. Oh, I don't think we want to get into the habit of destroying the things that we love because other people are ruining them. That just makes us like the worst of us. It does. We'll continue this debate, though, after a short break. And we're back. Daisy, I have yet another question for you. Do you love coming on this show just to get interrogated by me? I mean, (laughs) it has been a great way to get to know each other. Um, (laughs) My next probing question for you is, how do you feel about one, Christopher Jamal Evans? Also known as Chris Evans to the wider world. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... uh, (laughs) I just want to say that because I feel like these are things we acknowledge on the show sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like our show is scripted, but we also do keep surprises from each other, Mm -hmm. which is like we keep if we know we want the other person to react, we'll be like, I'm going to show you a thing or I'm going to ask you something. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I don't know that we've ever talked about my Chris Evans obsession. I have a legit Chris Evans obsession. (gasps) Like. It's it's really Captain America based. Like I have a painting of Kit Kat as Captain America. I have a. Like a whole like cardboard cutout of Chris Evans as Captain America that used to sit in my office at 
a job, oh like a previous job. God, I did not know this. I would have I know, thought really about didn't. this when I asked when I asked this question. No. Oh my god, yes. I did not know this at so all. So I love. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love Chris Evans, and I have always thought the Christopher Jamal Evans thing was very funny, and that he was, like, a really, really good sport. And that's part of what I really like about him in general. Like, I I was never a fan of Captain America as a character. Mm -hmm. Like, I really came to love that character because of Chris Evans' version, right? Like, there was something very sweet and... Humanizing. Earnest, and yeah, that he'd be, like, you know, helping ladies up steps and stuff at award shows, and you're just like, man... Yeah. That dude seems like a pretty good egg, considering all the reasons that he probably should not be a good egg. It's true. So we're talking about Chris Evans, not just because, you know, we can, but because I consider him and, you know, stop me if you disagree. I consider him one of the biggest beneficiaries of the like metaphorical cookout invitation culture. Yeah, I feel like that's true. Yeah. I think black women have loved Chris Evans for like a hot minute. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, Thirst Aid Kits, phenomenal episode with him. That was a whole thing. That was amazing. That was so good. Look at any comment section of any video that shows Chris interacting with a black woman, and you you will see what I'm talking about. There's a video right now of Chris Evans hanging out with Kiki Palmer on, like, the red carpet for Buzz Lightyear, the movie. Oh, yeah. You know, the comments are what you expect if you know that black women love Chris Evans. But I I think it was the acrylics meme that really sealed the deal. Such a good time. There are so many wonderful memes, mm-hmm. like just moments in time. And that was one that was. beautiful fleeting moment in time. <laughs> that somehow feels like six months ago, but was in fact yep. three years ago. The acrylics we were referring to is, as Daisy said, a beautiful period on the internet when people who know how to use Photoshop, which God bless every single one of you. Yeah, I can't do it. Me neither. But mm-hmm. so, someone out there can because they Photoshop acrylics and bonnets yep. And yep. lace front wigs on photos of Chris Evans. And yep. it was just the most beautiful series of images so funny. I've ever seen in my entire life. Just, it's perfect. And the thing is, as you said, he's a good sport. So yeah. when he saw them, he, he tweeted, I got a genuine belly laugh out of this. Which is like almost like a sweet dad response. Yes. Like, it's, it's right. It's like perfect. It, it like continues with the like, he just seems like a good dude. He does. <laughs> like, he does. And, you know, here we are in 2022. And the hashtag Chris Jamal Evans has 330 million views on TikTok and includes wow. videos like this from at I'm Big So What. Hey, yo, just think about this. But what if y'all see a news headline that said Chris Evans called somebody a n- First of all, he's not white. He's white passing. Okay, let's get that out the way. <laughs> Second of all, Chris Jamal Quantavius Evans can say whatever the fuck <laughs> he wants. Okay? Quantavius. <laughs> if he said it, he probably had a reason to. You know, that person probably deserved it. He probably had a good reason. Oh my God, that's so funny. It's just so funny and I think really captures like the spirit of the love for Christopher Jamal Evans (laughs) I know that's just a huge part of it like giving him the middle name Jamal and then like adding to it like yes I don't even know what that man's real name is like Like, (laughs) 
But yeah, there really is something so kind of heartwarming and hilarious about the fact that whenever like black people really fuck with someone, they're really welcome with open arms and legs, depending on, you know, who you are. Christopher Jamal <laughs> Evans. <laughs> and it's this kind of like welcome dynamic that really underpins the invited to the cookout thing. But like we said before the break, it low-key, high-key feels like the requirements for being invited to the cookout went from, like, risking your career to be in solidarity with the Black political progressive project to, like, being a good sport when people Photoshop acrylics on you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I have some thoughts as to why that happened. But before I get into that, what do you think? I also feel like some of it is almost in a way like a reflection of just like how dire things feel, like Mm. how awful things feel. Like, I don't know if people would be as like ready to extend, extend the invitation as broadly if we weren't kind of like looking for good things. I feel like we've had to like let go of a lot of people the last many years, right? Mm-hmm. Like we found out all these people were sex pests and, you know, other people are scammers mm-hmm. and like all this stuff. So part of me also feels like some of it is just like, oh, yay, I like that person. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that, I don't know, it's just, it's been hard. We keep having to give up people. Yeah. So. No, that's really true. And I feel like the the impulse to invite is not necessarily a negative one. But it does sometimes feel like we're giving cookies for nothing. I think both of those things are true. So I've said, I think, a few times at this point on the show, but, like, when the internet became consolidated onto platforms built by billionaires, it went from Mm -hmm. a space where you had to know to a kind of open-air stadium. Like, Black spaces existed before social media, but in the same way that Black spaces exist IRL, you generally can't access them without an invite. Which also means that celebrities largely wouldn't necessarily hear or have to heed criticism from Black people if they didn't want to before social media really became a thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But then social media like Twitter and Instagram and TikTok basically turned the internet into that open air stadium. People who had no black friends, IRL, could suddenly have access to unfiltered black thought, which even if you did have black friends, it is still very rare to be invited into like a purely black space as a non-black person. Oh, yeah. And... People who pre-social media could primarily have an extractive relationship with Black people were suddenly hearing from the people they were extracting from, which they did not have to before. No. And I think a lot of people who wanted to be famous watched these cycles, like with Miley Cyrus or Iggy Azalea, and learned from them. Yeah. What this means to me, at least, is that as white people became aware of the cookout, TM because that's what it is now, as something that they should want invite to, they were also kind of guided into how to interact with Black fans respectfully in a way that the internet would appreciate rather than, like, decry, which would then get them invited to the cookout, but without any real (laughs) engagement or reverence for, like, Black lives. So basically before, to get invited to the cookout, whatever, you had to actually be engaging with Black people IRL and like 
understand and have a deep respect and kind of knowledge base to work from. Yeah. Now you can kind of figure out what behaviors to do without necessarily having learned that from someone you know in person. So the relationship isn't necessarily extractive. It's not really anything beyond like basic respect or knowing how to like season food or do a (laughs) two-step. You know, <laughs> yeah, the jokes. Yeah, are always about these like very specific things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which I think honestly only really leads to disappointment. Like with Chris Evans, who hasn't done anything wrong. To be clear, we're not canceling yeah, he has him. Not. Let's let's no. start. I uh, any fan of Chris Evans, I do not want you to be worried about whether this episode is going. That man has done nothing wrong. Besides no. have a slightly cringy political website, but that's not bad. That's just not necessarily <laughs> something I would do. <laughs> but in case you missed it, he had a girlfriend yeah. reveal and he hasn't yes. been publicly with someone since Jenny Slate. Jenny Slate, I think, was the only time we knew who Chris Evans was dating in the era of us caring, mm-hmm. I should say. Yes. <laughs> he, he dated other people before people cared yeah, that much. We didn't give a shit like, then. <laughs> Yeah. But there's been like a really negative reaction to this, which I think is really down to three things. Right. And I'm going to rank them in decreasing order of importance. The most important thing, I think, is the 16 year age gap between the two, which. Oh, yeah. Chris Evans is 41. His his new girlfriend is 25. They're both adults. It's not my favorite. Okay, But yeah, not my life either. You know? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) The second thing is this increasing entitlement over, like, celebrities' personal lives, which has, it's getting worser and worser. Like, it's bad. That's true. And at the very end of the list, this is the least important thing, but I do think a teeny tiny bit of the upheaval is because he has been made into this figure, Christopher Jamal Evans, who uplifts and loves Black women, and is in turn uplifted and loved by black women. And now he's dating a white woman, which should not surprise anyone. No, there's nothing especially surprising <laughs> about Chris Evans dating like, a white woman. It's really not surprising. That was one of the few things I saw online this weekend when I would log in was just like people disappointed mm-hmm. that Chris Evans was dating a white woman, which is like, <laughs> what? But also not necessarily surprising that this is the thing that would break through. I know. If it, I know it's starting to feel like the salad dressing <laughs> for Jason Sudeikis. Like, it's just like the world is so hard right now. And the midterms <laughs> took so much out of us that like for some people. Not the salad dressing. This new. <laughs> We're never going to escape that fucking salad dressing. Oh, my God. The salad dressing. You know, even when I'm thinking of the tweet that we talked about much earlier in the episode, when I zoom out, right, like you were saying that to Samantha Cole, like when you were talking to her about her book, about how like because you're covering digital life so much, it can be really hard to like stop and take Mm -hmm. a step back. You know, as soon as we started talking about the idea of being invited to the cookout, it's like, ugh. And then you start walking me through it and I'm like, oh, yeah, 2016. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like this happened and that happened. And like. You think about all the things together and they start to make a little bit more sense. And so I do feel like, yeah, some of those people are legit cringy or I cringe when I see the tweet. But I think, yeah, there's also some of them are just like, we're out here trying to do better, but we're not in a situation that makes that easy. And, you know, so that's the Internet in general is like we're seeing 
conversations that sometimes like Chris Evans was a fantastic sport about all of it, which was part of what made him really fun and great in that role. And yeah, no, I think that makes like a lot of sense, like the zooming out of like where this sentiment comes from and why it feels so strong right now, even as I feel a sense of fatigue. (laughs) Right. With this this phrase. I feel a lot of fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of other black people are also tired of seeing it in that it it feels like we're searching for solidarity. And that's very important to do. But I also worry that in searching for solidarity, the bar is on the floor. When the idea of like a big tent coalition political project, you're gonna be allied with people that you don't agree with everything on. That's just how like mass change works. But there's still like a level of vetting that needs to take place. And sometimes I feel like the vetting is literally just kind of like a putting on of black aesthetics. Right. It's weird. And there's also not enough Mm -hmm. context, I guess. It's like when I'm in a room with somebody and I know them, personally and I understand what they're working off of it's one thing and if I don't know what somebody's working off of like something might seem really naive but that might actually be their Mm -hmm. starting point or it might seem really complex but that might be their starting point but I don't know and so when you just see it all in this context it just all looks like the lowest bar and so it just ends up feeling icky even when like we all do actually understand these nuances in our lives, right? I feel like we're getting to the end, which means I have to ask a final question, which is, oh God, should the cookout be abolished? I mean, I feel like we should just go back to like not telling people about your cookout. I agree. (laughs) I agree. Which I think means that the cookout TM, as we currently understand it, is gone. But I think we need to go back to a smaller version. And also importantly, whenever people talk about this, I'm always just like, you're not just out here getting invited to everyone's cookout, even if you are black. Like you were invited to a very specific set of cookouts because of the connections that you have with your family and your friends. So like, what is the cookout anyway? (laughs) Right. And now, (laughs) yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's like, as soon as you're like, what the cookout? I'm like, what kind of cookout? Who's having the cookout? Like, is it a Southern cookout? Is it a cookout in this state? Is it a cookout in that state? Where's what time of year is it? What are we doing? Like, I don't. As soon as you start asking any it, of the is questions, this like a summer yes. family mm-hmm. reunion. Is this fall? Is it a like, funeral? what is happening? I don't know. All of those. Vi- oh, it could, it be, could a be a homegoing. Like, absolutely, be a homegoing. You don't know. You don't know. And this is why mm-hmm. I think that we should stop having capital T, capital C, the cookout. Get rid of it. Dead it. <laughs> if it's not a cookout that would exist mm-hmm. in real life. It could not be a metaphorical cookout. Law and order sound. Dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode, to never miss an invite to a cookout, I guess. <laughs> Please leave a rating and review on Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. Tell your friends you're inviting to your cookouts about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICLM underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, why is everyone mad that Chris Evans has a girlfriend? And you can also always <laughs> drop us a note at ICYMIAsplate.com. ICYMI is produced by Kevin Bendis, Daniel Schrader, and Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer. Hi. And Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of Audio. 
See you online. Or at the cookout. My cookout's gluten-free. Mm-hmm.